Hey there, third graders. It's Ms. Hayes here with chapter 14 of our read aloud, Return of the Indian. Um, we left off with Omri, Patrick, and Little Bear making their preparations for uh, bringing some Indians to life so that they can send them back with Little Bear to try to defeat the Frenchmen. So let's jump right into chapter 14, Red Men, Red Coats. Bringing 40 Indians to life sounds like quite an undertaking, but it took a remarkably short time to accomplish. They did a few first, just to be on the safe side, but when the first half-dozen had clambered out of the cupboard and were at once greeted by Little Bear, who regaled them into his strange language, which they all seemed to understand, Omric and Patrick did, Omric, Omri and Patrick didn't delay further. "'Let's put in all the rest at once,' said Patrick excitedly, and this time Omri made no objections. Soon the sea tray was jammed with men, milling around, sitting on Patrick's fence, admiring Little Bear's pony, exclaiming in dismay at the ruined longhouse, gazing covertly at bright stars, and examining the paintings on the side of the teepee. One or two tried to enter this, but Little Bear barred the way. Boone was in there. None of them knew how the Indians might react to him, so they decided to hide him. The new Indians didn't pay any attention to the boys at first, or to anything in what to them was the distance. Everything on the sea tray was in scale with them, and soon they settled down in rows, cross-legged, to listen to what Little Bear had to say. He dragged the matchbox bed into position before the teepee and stood on it, making it a platform. From there, he addressed them in a loud, commanding tone for several minutes. Omri and Patrick sat well back, shaded by bushes. "'It was a good idea of yours to be outdoors,' whispered Patrick. "'Seems more natural, and there aren't huge bits of furniture and so on to worry them.' Omri didn't react to this praise for his idea. If they had stayed inside, Boone's horse would still be okay. They watched. After a while, Little Bear stopped speaking and beckoned imperiously to the boys, who crawled forward on their knees till they hung over the seed tray. Little Bear pointed to them dramatically, and all the Indians turned to look. Their reaction was curiously unsensational. Some uttered muted cries, one or two leapt to their feet, but then sank down again after glancing at Little Bear and seeing him unafraid. Evidently, he had given them some explanation for the presence of giants in their midst, which they had no difficulty in accepting. The great spirit's business, no doubt. Omri couldn't help smiling at Little Bear's obvious pride in having such beings at his command. It clearly gave him a lot of prestige in the eyes of these tribesmen he was hoping to lead into battle. After a few more words to his audience, Little Bear turned to the boys. "'Make now guns!' he ordered. They knelt, irresolute. Omri had never really taken to the idea of Indians running amok with machine guns, hand grenades, and artillery. Anything could happen, especially if they got overexcited, but Little Bear was scowling horribly at their hesitation. Make now guns now, he thundered. Little Bear, give word to braves. Oh dear, said Patrick ironically. That does it then, I'd better fetch them. He jumped to his feet. Omri said, while you're in the house, ask my mom to give you something for us to eat, for them to eat. Anything else you can think of? Yes, bring some horses for Boone to choose from. One thing at a time, said Patrick. Boone be better stay out of sight. And he pushed off through the bushes. While he was gone, Omri thought he ought to have a word with Little Bear. These now guns, as you call them, are very, very powerful and they're complicated. They can't be used without special training. Little, bo Little Bear curled his lip in scorn. I see what soldier do. Point gun, pull trigger. Like gun French 
English soldier fight with Indian, but kill more. Shoot, many, many. Little Bear made a noise like the chatter of a machine gun. The other Indians reacted with excitement. But the bigger ones... Omri, show how. You don't think I know how, do you? As you keep reminding me, I'm only a boy. Little Bear frowned. The rows of seated Indians below him seemed to sense his doubt and began murmuring to each other uneasily. Little Bear raised his hand to silence them. Omri put now soldier in box. Him show. Omri considered this. There was actually no option to bringing some modern soldiers to life, however briefly, because their plastic figures were attached to their weapons. Omri's plan had been to do as he had done once before, when he'd wanted a bow and arrows for Little Bear. He had brought an old Indian to life and taken his weapons from him, meaning to transform him at once back into plastic. But he had promptly dropped dead of a heart attack. Omri thought that some artillery sergeant might be made of sterner stuff. Perhaps it would be worth a try. And what about these? he asked, holding up a soldier from the time of George III, who, according to a verse Omri recalled from somewhere, ought never to have occurred. Try, said Little Bear tersely. Feeling a bit guilty at doing it without Patrick, Omri put the five scarlet-clad soldiers into the cupboard. At once, the clattering of metal on metal announced that the soldiers and their mounted officer were ready to emerge. Little Bear, you'd better go in there with them. Better if you talk to them first inside if you want them. Good! Omri opened the door a crack, and Little Bear slipped over the edge of the seed tray, straight into the cupboard. Omri put his ear to the opening at the top to listen. Little Bear began at once to harangue the British officer in his broken English. Omri heard the word French and the word kill, but he couldn't make out much more until the shrill bark of an English voice cut him short. "'Who do you think you are, giving orders to an officer of His Majesty's 20th American Regiment, you filthy savage?' There was a deathly silence. Then Little Bear shouted, I know savage, I Iroquois chief. Iroquois fight that side of English soldier. English happy have Indian people. Braves spill blood in English quarrel. Now I ask help from English. Why red coat give insult? There was a brief pause, and then the English voice said, with icy contempt, Insolent bounder, kill him, Smithers. Omri put his hand on the door to slam it shut, but another voice spoke. Is that why, sir? After all, we have used them in the past. Plenty more where he came from. But if he is a chief, sir, it might lead to trouble. Of course, Smithers, if you're squeamish, I'll do it myself. Here, come back, you blackguard. But it was too late. Little Bear had already slipped silently over the bottom rim of the cupboard and was throwing his weight against the door. Omri was very happy to assist him, and in short order, the arrogant British redcoats were reduced to their plastic con condition once again. Little Bear, his eyes slits of rage and every tooth in his head barred, every, every tooth in his head bared, gave Omri a look of reproach. Omri felt he was being blamed just because he was English too. Surely they're not all like that. Some English know better than French, was all Little Bear had to say. Braves fight alone. Just then, Patrick came crashing back through the rhododendrons. He had a tray in his hand on which were two glasses of milk, two packets of salted peanuts, and a couple of red apples, also a paper bag containing the now soldiers. Omri only hoped they might do something to redeem the character of the British army in the eyes of, the, of his Indian. There was a pleasant interlude while they fed the Indians. They crushed some of the nuts between two or more, less clean, more or less clean stones and served the bits on platters made from the round leaves of a plant. 
Patrick bit a piece off of one of the apples and broke it up small, while Omri filled and refilled the toothpaste caps which were passed reverently from hand to hand along the rows of seated braves. Among them they put away nearly half a glass of milk. Boone, who had been peeping from behind the flap of the teepee, sent a private message with bright stars, suggesting a bit of the hard stuff should be added to the milk, you know, to put fire in the belly, as bright stars solemnly explained. Boone evidently felt it would be no bad thing if these Indians did go a bit loco. But Omri and Patrick agreed that everyone ought to keep a clear head. Then it was time to bring the modern soldiers to life again and see what could be done about guns. After consultation with Little Bear, they began with a hulking Royal Marine Corporal kneeling behind his machine gun. He was the one who had sprayed Omri with bullets, so Omri had a sort of warped affection for him. We can't risk Little Bear again, said Omri. He told Patrick what had happened with the 18th century soldiers. A modern soldier would probably just be as unbelieving about a red Indian as he would about finding himself tiny. We'll just have to hope he can accept it somehow. After all, he's seen us once, the first shock's over. Come on, no good putting it off. Patrick slipped the corporal into the cupboard. And that is the end of chapter 14. Stay tuned for chapter 15.